Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today, Drew, we're going to talk Bears, Lions, we're going to talk Chargers, Packers, and then Sunday Night Football, Vikings, Broncos, and close out with our best bets. Let's start in Detroit. Lions are seven and a half point favorites. The total is 48. Justin Fields will be back. Seven and a half seem a little light to you? You know, I would go the other way. Okay. (laughs) I think. I think this should be inside a touchdown. Uh, And I think you're getting a unique opportunity right now where people have kind of written off the Bears based on their early season performances being anything to, you know, kind of be a contender. Uh, And the market has gotten a little too excited about how good the Lions actually are because the Lions are a good but flawed team. uh, And they put that on display pretty clearly, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the wall last week against the Chargers. Um, And, you know, this sets up, I think, for fairly well for the Bears to be competitive, largely because the Bears have one of the most elite rushing defenses that we've seen in years. Forget about this year. They're clearly the best this year, in my opinion. Uh, if they're, you know, particularly when you zero in on how they've performed in the last five weeks. And, uh, you know, this is huge for this particular matchup because the Lions have found success on offense this season when they've had a balanced attack. Literally, their ability to get the ball going on the ground has opened up opportunities for them in the passing game. It is uh, complimentary football that Goff likes to play. Uh, If this turns into a game plan where the Lions have to get it done strictly through the air, there might be actually opportunities for the pass rush that the Bears have invested now a lot of uh, future capital in to actually get home and make a little bit of noise here. So I think the Bears defense is being underrated by market right now. Unpredictable currently says they're Market treats this as the 31st best defense in the NFL. That's kind of crazy. Like the past defense has had its lows this season, surely. A lot of those were based on just the entire secondary being hurt. And all of these guys playing now combine that with uh, the elite nature of their run defense. And, you know, the Lions are up for a tough test. Uh, Everybody, I believe, is rightfully excited about the Lions. But like, let's not forget, they're coming off of playing the actual 31st best defense in the NFL in L.A. Like that was, uh, you know, a, a pretty uh, awesome spectacle in what they were able to do in that contest. And I think this is going to look very differently. If you want to try to twist my arm and say, hey, you know, don't get too excited about the Bears here. Justin Fields is coming off with a thumb injury. He might be a little bit turnover prone. Yeah, that that's possible. But, uh, you know, in, in that case, maybe under 48 is a better play than just taking the points with the Bears. But, um, you know, I would kind of point out that the Bears actually have a pretty nice matchup here against the Lions defense that is kind of closer to the bottom five than the Bears, sure, surely. Um, and I would point out if there was sort of a key flaw with the way that the Lions are schemed defensively, they bite on everything. 
Like this is a team that you can trick with misdirection pretty clearly. And if there is one player or one team or one kind of conceptual framework that should be able to pull that off, it's absolutely with, you know, utilizing Justin Fields in a role where it's unclear if he is going to, is it a designed run? Is this a run pass option? Is this a play action? Like those types of misdirection plays that the Bears are using them this week should be really, really effective against the Lions. So uh, I think we're in for a competitive game. Um, I think the Lions actually are on upset alert here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm trying not to get, you know, into too far into hopefulness in that there is a little bit more juice on, uh, you know, in the matchup on Thanksgiving between the Lions and the Packers. But, uh, you know, Lions taking a loss in an NFC North contest. And, uh, you know, and we'll talk about the Packers in a minute. I think could make that game a lot more interesting here. So am I making a strong enough case here on the Bears who have, oh, by the way, an offensive line that is pass protecting at a top five level right now against a defense that has struggled to get to the quarterback lately. Can Justin Fields with time and with some misdirection keep up with the mighty lines? Yeah, I wasn't ready for this. Uh, full <laughs> Bears truth of it mode. Uh, I don't mind it. Uh, I think the thing is with the Lions is that so uh, a lot of people, I think, after the Chargers game, they just declared that, you know, Dan Campbell's just going to win coach of the year now because you look at his schedule and it's just so easy until the last couple of games. But the thing is with the Lions is that they're not that good. And when you're not that good, every game is somewhat losable. And home Bears is their easiest game remaining on the schedule and they're only seven and a half point favorites. And then they play the Packers and Jordan Love is playing better. They're at the Saints. That's very losable. So all these games are losable. What I don't understand with the Lions is that so their defense right now is ninth in EPA per play, which certainly doesn't match the eye test. And I think a lot of that is driven by luck. The fact that they had so many drops against them, uh, against the Chiefs in week one, the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, just had a complete implosion and missed Devontae Adams on two 60 plus yard touchdown passes. Uh, the fact that Justin Herbert with one receiver was able to put up 38 points against them. One receiver who uh, wasn't playing for stretches, and we'll get to that when we talk Chargers Packers. So I agree with the Lions' skepticism. And the Bears, I mean, the last time we saw Justin Fields, he uh, he put up 28 against the Broncos. He put up 40 against the Commanders. And he put up six and a half against the Vikings. That's not as good. But certainly some scope and upside with Fields. And when you're betting on an underdog, certainly you know, this is like a money line type of play. You want someone like Fields, I think, who has high variance, who can look incredible week to week, and uh, as opposed to uh, a, a lower a lower ceiling, higher floor quarterback, perhaps. I'm just worried that the Bears' pass rush, I know with sweat that it's better, and by better I mean no longer non-existent. But mm -hmm. going up against that Detroit offensive line, I think Goff in the Dome is going to be good enough to pick apart the Bears' secondary. So I would lean towards it being a shootout. Uh, I don't have a great deal of confidence in the Bears secondary. I mean, what do you think about that matchup between just Goff passing the ball against the Bears pass rush and secondary? I think of where, you know, in a vacuum, an elite offense or, you know, just a good offense with with elite weapons and a quarterback playing at a top 10 level, which is what the Lions are, would would be very, very concerning against uh, a secondary that's as weak as the Bears. But 
where they are generally getting their work done is kind of been picking on intermediate stuff, setting up decent yak. Uh, and I think with the way that the linebacking core is playing for the Bears and the safety core, you know, safety uh, uh, help is is uh, capable of, um, you know, gang tackling. Like, I do actually think that they don't exactly have the right makeup to really hurt the bears where, where they could, uh, if, you know, everything was kind of perfectly calibrated, I guess. Um, if, you know, the, if, if you are trying to attack this team down the sidelines, down the field, uh, with precision passing, then bears are in deep trouble. Um, cause you're, you're right. Like they can't, you know, even with all these investment in the pass rush, they're not getting home a ton. Um, and this is not a great matchup for them anyway, because the pass protection for the Lions is pretty damn good. Um, but I would say the, uh, you know, the asking Goff to make precision passes down the sidelines with the receivers he's working with is, is not something we've seen a lot of this year. And so, um, there is a little bit of a misfit there that I'm fine kind of counting on, uh, you know, as, as, as somewhat of a, um, uh, a deciding factor here. And I also think that it may be somewhat predictable that the bear, that the uh, lions are in pass mode here. If that makes any sense, um, we could see, by the second half of this game, if the Bears have a lead, if this is a close game uh, and the Lions running attack is just getting nothing going on the ground. And like by every indication, I could tell you this is going to be a really, really tough test for the Lions to get something going on the ground. Uh, then, you know, there may be a little bit of a, OK, we know it's coming. It's passing. We'll get extra defensive backs on the field and we're going to give them some help. And um, in that regard, if it's uh, you know a lot of stuff where they're you know short underneath passes, golf's getting the ball over his hands quickly. And he isn't able to make precision passes on the sidelines, then, uh, you know, I'm not as as concerned, I guess. If that because like if you think about like the explosive nature of the Lions in terms of their passing offense this season, it's been stuff where they kind of clear out one side of the field. Sam Laporta's, you know, kind of finds, you know, finds a, you know, a nice open patch, 15 yards right, right along the seam or they're giving it to Amon Ross St. Brown and giving him room to operate. Uh, with Yak, and it's it's uh, it's not exactly the type of stuff that I worry about the Bears being able to um, to kind of come up with gang tackling and to shut down the Yak to a degree. So uh, I might be ultimately dis- disappointed because Ben Johnson is very 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 smart as far as an offensive coordinator goes, and he may have uh, a, a couple of wrinkles up his sleeve saving him for this type of game and this kind of type of defense because the Bears are incomplete defensively. I will completely admit that. But um, I think if you can kind of pick up some of the blueprint of what we saw when, uh, you know, really when the, the like, you know, anything that you saw at the Ravens game, I think if you can emulate any of that uh, approach and, you know, keep the keep this team under 100 yards rushing, um, that's been sort of the key. Uh, and uh, they're limited, you know, w- when when the um, uh, opposing defenses have kept the, you know, the the lid on the Lions running attack this season. Uh, you know, you're looking at 20, 20, 21, 6, uh, and 31 points uh, with the 31 points coming in the overtime game against the Seahawks. And, you know, so I, I think there is realistically uh, an avenue here for the Bears to kind of hide their weaknesses and uh, maybe make the Lions sweat a little bit. So give me the points. It's a big okay. number in division, too. We hadn't even said that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think if you want to make the case that the Lions just aren't, particularly good uh their last three games they got completely eviscerated by baltimore 38 to 6 
the Raiders game on Monday night, they really could have lost that. And that Raiders team was a disaster, but they kept on hanging around, hanging around, and just Jimmy, his complete implosion just tanked that game entirely. And then the Chargers game, I mean, they don't get that fourth and two, and they probably lose against the deeply flawed Chargers team. Lions coming off the bye there. So, yeah, I think this Lions team is probably... I mean, people talking about the Lions now, Super Bowl threat and one seed... Uh, potential. I think this team is probably closer to your Seattle's of the world than your San Francisco's of the world. Uh, so I don't really believe in the Lions. I think they'll have too much for Chicago. But Fields is very high variance, and uh, and yeah, you've you've talked me into the plus seven and a half. I thought just eyeballing <laughs> that that it looked a little bit light, but uh, but I see the case because I do think this will be. Uh, on Jared Goff's shoulders, uh, which is a little scary. Uh, if yeah, I, if you want it, if you want this summarized, it's just the teeniest little clip. Right now, the market is rating the Bears' defense as thirty-first, and they're rating the Lions as twentieth. And I think those are probably closer to backwards. Okay, yeah, I don't mind it. All right, go Bears, go, uh, go, go, Montez Sweat. All right, before we get to Chargers Packers. Stream Big Ten Basketball Live on Peacock Drew on Friday night. It's time for Penn State to host the party as the undefeated Nittany Lions welcome Moorhead State to State College. Stream live on November 17th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hopefully basketball goes better for, fan, for Penn State than our football has recently because uh, I was at the debacle uh, against Michigan. All right, Chargers, three-point favorites at the Packers. The total is 44. Uh, do you think this Chargers defense warrants being a three-point favorite on the road in Green Bay? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, the more I think about this game, the less I understand why the Chargers are favored at all, we're being honest. Uh, market's still treating this team like it's a top 10 offense. Uh, okay. Um, market's still treating this defense like it's not a bottom three defense. Okay. Um, there are a lot of structural problems with the Chargers right now. There are a lot of talent limitations with the Chargers right now. And we are not in an era where... Uh, and I don't even really know if uh, Justin Herbert is the kind of guy that can elevate issues with the roster on the offense, including the fact that you have you know one wide receiver who can create separation in Keenan Allen. He's hurt now. Uh, the quotes from Staley about his availability were not encouraging. Um, you have an offensive line that is working its way backwards. They played better last season with without their best player than they have performed this year in terms of pass protection, in terms of run, uh, run blocking. Um, Austin Eckler is a fine player, but he's not a guy that is really able to put his head down and get hard yards against a soft run defense, which the Packers have. Um, and I see difficulty potentially here for a Chargers in that they are square peg round hole in terms of how you want to attack the Packers. 
you obviously had some skin in the game last week with the Steelers. You probably saw a lot of that game. The Steelers lined up. They ran. They they got their offensive line going downhill, and they pushed the Packers off the ball and got you know equal opportunity to their two running backs to the tune of uh, their most successful rushing output of the entire season. It was cool to see, and that's exactly how you want to attack the Packers. I do not think the Chargers have that in them. I think the Chargers are much much more reliant on you know some of the uh, uh, you know types of um, pass, passing attack that the Packers are actually pretty good at defending on top of the fact that this is, you know, an outdoor game in, in Green Bay with your best wide receiver hurt. Like all, all of this swirling around the the uh, the Chargers offense to me spells trouble that they're going to have a tough time uh, coming up with uh, points here. And then on the flip side, you mentioned it. Green Bay's playing better offensively. Jordan Love, the game is starting to slow down for him to a degree. Uh, and they are kind of figuring out who among their young receivers they can trust with target share. Like they kind of are kind of getting it now. Like Watson can't really trust him. He's an injury question mark and he has like a relatively limited skill set. Like you can only really get him in space and let him operate. You can't expect him to go win 50 50 balls. The opposite is true of Wicks. Wicks is an outstanding separator uh, and you can count on him to to win at the catch point. And I think, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur is the type of coach who is learning about his young team and they are getting better. And this is kind of the perfect get right game for this Packers offense. It's been a long time since they scored into the thirties. I think probably going back to the wacky bears game with all those kind of turnovers and some, some, some weird fluky broken plays. Um, but this feels like a get right spot for the Packers offensively for me, because the chargers defense and their past defense in particular, and their ability to line up and win, you know, win one, 1v1 and win the hard you know win the hard hard battles it's just not apparent that they have anything going for them positively right now outside of um you know a modicum of pass rush when Joey Bosa has really got it going Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack also both issues in terms of injuries and now you're up against an offensive line that can 100% win against you so I don't really see how this is any different of a story than what the Lions did to the Chargers defense last week in terms of making it look easy and uh yeah I kind of feel like we come out of this game and the previous game and uh, the Packers Lions Thursday morning game has a lot more juice. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind that. I think that the Chargers defense is just a catastrophe at the moment. I mean, it felt like a, a miracle whenever they got off the field against Detroit uh, and they forced Detroit to punt once all game. Detroit scored 41 points and Detroit have a good offense, but uh, any reputable defense should be able to do more than that so that's a problem i think the main story though is that it's gone a little bit under the radar because no one wanted to watch green bay against brett rippon or green bay against kenny pickett (laughs) yeah you're right so jordan loves pff grades by week week one to eight he never topped a 68 pff grade week one to eight week nine 83.2 week 10 77.8 these have been by far the two best games of his season. Now, the Rams' defense isn't very good. The Steelers' defense is fine. I thought that he was – he certainly out-dueled Kenny Pickett. I think on average that the Packers really should have won that game against the Steelers, and now he gets uh, just about as bad of a defense as there is in the Chargers. Good news as well, Jair Alexander is back practicing yeah, uh, Thursday, which is huge for them. Uh, and the fact that Keenan Allen, just the injury situation there, I mean, he he hurt his shoulder. He 
comes out of the game. He comes back in as a decoy. He goes to the locker room and then he catches a 38-yard touchdown to tie the game up with a couple of minutes left. So I don't really know what's going on there. He hasn't been practicing, which is a problem. I would suspect that either he doesn't play or he's going to be a bit limited if he does. And I think just with uh, the Chargers' offensive line outside of Rashawn Slater, with Herbert, who's still very much favoring his finger on his left hand, you can just tell on every play you can kind of feel it. Uh, and the fact that they're not taking snaps under center because of the finger, it's just the Chargers aren't in a good spot. They're just they're not, not a well-coached team. They just do stupid stuff repeatedly. Uh, and now going up on the road against the Packers team that seems to be rounding into a bit of form, I agree. I would have thought that this should be closer to pick. And I think it's very difficult to price in just cluster injuries at a position and when it tips you into just being no longer viable. And I think if Keenan Allen doesn't go and then you're relying on Quinton Johnston and Jalen Guyton, then all of a sudden just everything gets worse. They're, the flaws on the offensive line become magnified. Uh, the fact that they haven't been able to run the ball that effectively gets magnified. The fact that Herbert is somewhat limited with his injury gets magnified. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot a lot of elements pointing towards the Packers in this yeah. one. Yeah, I I loved loved everything you brought up there. I fully agree with it. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, Keenan Allen was back at practice today, albeit de- you know dealing with a shoulder injury. Um, and you know, <clears throat> when you look at defensive statistics, EPA per play is fine. Uh, I particularly think for defense evaluations, you should probably remove turnovers because they're not sticky. Uh, if you do that. The Chargers have the second worst EPA per play on defense this season. Only team worse is the Broncos, and the Broncos are down there because of a couple of games earlier this season where half their team was hurt, and they played the worst team that you could go up against with an injured squad in the Miami Dolphins. And so if you really think about it, I'm fine thinking of this as the worst defense in football. And, you know, the head coach, Brandon Staley, is calling the defensive plays, and when you're getting this little out of your talent and people are putting you on the hot seat about, oh, well, are you going to give up play calling duties? And you say, no, I'm going to keep calling defensive plays. To me, that is just a signal that nothing will change and you will have a decent opportunity here to get right if you're the Packers offense. So uh, a lot to like about this for the Packers, in my opinion. And um, I played them at three and a half. Uh, and I think uh, there's another even you know, more, more effective way to tackle this one. But we'll save that for the end of the show. Yes. Uh, and another thing, too, is that there are a lot of things that you can point to as the greatest indictment of Nathaniel Hackett and the New York Jets this season. You talk about the fact that uh, they needed an absolute miracle to beat Tommy DeVito uh, and the Giants. You talk about the fact they lost at home to the New England Patriots. But surely the big, ah, oh, no, the DeVito one's worse. DeVito one's really The second worst one is the fact that they gave up eight sacks to the Chargers defense. It's called six points against the Chargers' defense uh, at home, which is just uh, complete madness. All right, before we get to Sunday night football, uh, before we get into our breakdown of it, a reminder that it is headed to altitude this week when the Vikings travel to Denver for a battle with Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Coverage of the interconference matchup begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. All right, line is Broncos minus two. The total is 43 and a half. The look ahead on this was 
two and a half, then it bumped down to one and a half for a bit. Now it seems to be settling around two. Uh, Broncos, basically a full clean slate of health. The Vikings, a bit more issues on their side. Justin Jefferson, uh, latest I've seen is that he hasn't been declared in yet. He's been limited at practice. I would guess that he's probably going to play, but that felt like it was a certainty a few days ago that they were being extra cautious, not bringing him back last week. But now uh, with what Kevin O'Connell was saying about how he's got to tick a lot of boxes before he plays and it's going to be a quick ramp up, not 100% sure that he's going to go. He has an extra week uh, in terms of the practice window, but I expect he's going to play. So uh, what is your breakdown of the Vikings? How real do you think this team is with Josh Dobbs? I think this is probably where there's a little bit of a correction. There are people who are doing projections right now for seeding in the NFC. And, you know, they're, oh, yeah, this uh, the Vikings could take the NFC North out of the hands of the Lions. Yeah, they could. Yeah, the Vikings, you know, the, the the way that they're being rated right now is, you know, just it's tough to divorce it from how serious the injuries are on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I don't have a strong read about uh, who will ultimately be available on this one uh, from the wide receiver position and Jefferson Jefferson in particular. Um, but the Josh Dobbs experience is, you know, it, it to me it is um, somewhat it's finite. There is a time at which what he is doing and why it is working will not be effective. And this is as cleanly as I can put it. The current state of playing, you know, playing defense in the NFL, a lot of cover two, a lot of safeties deep, uh, a lot of take away the home run play that specifically opens up opportunities for you to have some rhythm passing in the short and intermediate range, combine that with a quarterback who has some mobility and you're cooking with gas. Dobbs kind of dropped into a Kevin O'Connell system. Perfect fit for that, right? You're going from you and you're going huge tendency breakers from Kirk cousins who would never scramble to Josh Dobbs who will, you know, not just scramble, but make you pay (laughs) on the ground. Right. And, I think there will be a time where people will look at this team and they will say, okay, well, pretty clearly you're effective at doing this. We'll ask you to do, you know, beat, beat us with something else. Beat us over the top with your arm. Make the right read. Look, you know, here's a, you know, here's a cover six look. Here's a little bit of confusion for you. Like where, you know, which, where, where, where is the, uh, the man versus zone in this one? And can you beat uh, the, you know, the man coverage on, you know, KJ Osborne or wide receiver three uh, instead of just finding your safety valve in Hawkinson. Um, and I give the Broncos a ton of credit for the way that they have improved defensively with the reinsertion of all of their most important players on defense. Uh, and I think that this is kind of a decent, schematic opportunity to really uh, test Dobbs to beat you in a different way than he did in the second half of the Falcons game and the first half of the Saints game. Really only played four good quarters for the Vikings (laughs) and his play in Arizona was inconsistent. I think that's putting it kindly. So I feel somewhat, um, you know, ready for a reckoning uh, to a degree. Uh, And, I don't, I, you know, it's a fun story. I like Kevin O'Connell's story too. I like his coach of the year potential. I like the Vikings are just in a good entertaining team to have around, but um, I don't think that 
they're going to be able to continue to succeed the way that they are without uh, him evolving as you know and and being able to uh, make some home run passes which i i really kind of want to pay to see what do you think yeah i think that this vikings team is kind of it's a fake team that is extremely well coached on both sides of the ball i think brian flores is maybe the best defensive coordinator in football, like not that far off what he's been able to do to get this Vikings team to be a top 10 defense. It's insane. Like they don't have the personnel to do that. And he's doing it anyway with uh, the ridiculous amount of, of three man blitzes that he sends uh, or three man rushes and, and kind of all out blitzes. And I think that his scheme has helped them maximize what was very limited personnel. And by the end of last season was a really bad defense. And then on offense, I think Kevin O'Connell is extremely creative and has been able to get Josh Dobbs through these past two weeks. To me, I agree. I don't think Dobbs is real. I think it's instructive that the last six drives against the Saints, you know how many points they scored, Drew? They scored zero. They scored zero zero points in the last Mm -hmm. six drives. They scored three points. The entire second half. Now they missed the field goal and the last drive. Uh, they were really trying to burn a clock, but uh, I think that Dobbs has been very dependent on these uh, cinematic plays that I'm not sure are entirely sustainable. Cinematic, Some of yeah. the plays against the Falcons was just ridiculous. Uh, it felt more like a movie than it did an actual NFL game at times. And now, to be fair. His first half against the Saints was magnificent. Like, that's a solid defense, and he completely lit them up. They scored 24 points in the first half, uh, and they moved the ball at will. The touchdown pass that he threw to Hawkinson was elite. Uh, And what he is able to do with his legs, and I think his rushing element in O'Connell's offense has really opened up everything there. But the thing is with Dobbs is that uh, I don't think he has great awareness and there is a two or three pick game coming. Someone who's watched every throw that he's made because I've been very invested in Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings the past couple of weeks. Like he, he is going to turn the ball over. We forget that his first two drives as a Minnesota Viking, uh, he gave up a safety and he got strip sacked. And I understand that, you know, he's coming in, doesn't really know the plays, but he didn't, he didn't feel the pressure at all. And a lot of his rushing plays is when, he doesn't feel the pressure and someone grabs at his ankle and then he miraculously gets out of it and then all of a sudden there's a running lane. So I think it's going to turn. I'm not sure what to make of this Broncos defense where like the past four weeks where, by the way, they've played Patrick Mahomes twice and Josh Allen once, they're 10th in EPA per play. But a lot of that is turnovers. And to your point, when you strip out turnovers the past four weeks, the 24th defense in EPA per play, which, again, not the end of the world, given they've played the Chiefs twice and the Bills. But I don't think this is an amazing defense. I don't think it's the worst defense in football, like some season-long stats indicate, because they're so muddied by the Miami game. I think this is an average-ish defense. I think it's an average-ish offense. I think it's an average team. And I think the Vikings are a slightly worse than average team. And the game is in Denver, uh, and I think they should be bigger than two-point favorites. But uh, is there anything interesting to you about the Broncos at the moment? Do you disagree with the categorizations of their off? I guess their offense is slightly below average. But uh, in terms of their defense, do you think there's any upside for them to get closer to the group they were last year? No question, yeah. I, I think strongly, yes. Um, the limited sample we have of recently, which includes two games against Mahomes and one against Allen, where they're playing like lights out defense, like that 
I think who they are. <laughs> I don't think that any of that is fluky. Uh, kind of same exercise. If you, you know, start the clock when Justin Simmons returned week five, and I'm going back that far, even recognizing that it was kind of only Simmons who came to the rescue in that Jets game. Like half the other defense was still out. Um, but since if you start the clock there, takeaway turnovers, they're middle of the pack in terms of EPA per play. And um, this is again going up against some of the you know tw- tw- you get twice you go up against the future MVP Pat Mahomes. Um, but uh, yeah, I think ultimately the, this is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for the Broncos defense, considering the injuries the Vikings are dealing with. Um, Again, like, I don't know if Justin Jefferson is going to go. If he does go, I'm assuming Kevin O'Connell is probably going to use him more like a a decoy to try to kind of just occupy Pat Sertain. Pat Sertain is the most important player, in my opinion, on the Broncos defense. Number two is Simmons. Um, And, you know, if you can, find some way to keep him from disrupting your passing attack, then maybe you have uh, an opportunity here. But um, I, uh, I like in general what the, you know, the Broncos are offering right now defensively a lot. Uh, I think that probably makes sense why this has been bet down. <laughs> this totals tick below 43. I agree with that. Um, and the Broncos offense is really, really tough to try to characterize, which makes them a little bit feisty and a little bit unpredictable. I think. Um, if you look at what the game plan was last week and you kind of outline, you know, this was the average depth of target. This was the sequencing. This is how they utilize the running backs. This is how they utilize the tight ends and wide receivers. It was carbon copy what the Patriots did to the Buffalo Bills, which tells you two things. Um, that's not what they will intend to do every week. That was a specific game plan to try to beat the Bills the same way the Patriots did, and it worked. Uh, and I think it also tells you that Sean Payton still has a fastball in terms of identifying, like from film, like this will work against these certain teams. And uh, you know, he might have an approach lined up to beat uh, Brian Flores and the blitz-heavy packages he's running. Uh, he might have a, a really, really nice plan for that. And I can't predict what that is. Sean Payton is much smarter than me. It's game planning offense. That's uh, you know, that's undeniable. Um, so, you know, kind of I- intrigued, interested, excited to see what he has cooked up. Obviously, Russell Wilson still has an ability to make, uh, you know, an all universe throw, as we saw on Monday night uh, with the, you know, the one touchdown pass he had that was, you know, what, 99.9th percentile throw of this entire season. Um, and, if he utilizes more of that type of uh, his game this week, then, you know, they could be absolutely dominant. And uh, I think the rushing attack is fine. Doesn't match up super well with the way the Vikings are playing run defense. So it's probably going to be on Russ's arm. And, uh, you know, he's he's still very, very hesitant to throw a turnover-worthy pass. That's yeah. the only thing I can tell you certainly about Russell Wilson is that if it's a close call, if his guys don't have separation, he's probably going to just take the sack or he's going to try to scramble. And I would expect that, uh, you know, the way that the, you know, the Vikings are playing defense, probably going to be more sacks than there's going to be successful scrambles. Um, so it's going to depend on, he's, he's going to need his wide receivers to be, you know, to, to create separation. And that's been a little bit dicey this year. Okay. Before we get to our best bets, which will spoiler alert be staying in this game. A reminder that Saturday, November 18th at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions. For week 12, including Brock Bowers and Georgia traveling to Nayland Stadium for a showdown against SEC East rival Tennessee. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Best bets for week 11. I will kick us off given we are. Uh, still in the realm of talking about Sunday Night Football, I'm taking the Broncos minus two for all the reasons outlined. I'll just add two things. One, the whole story about Sunday Night Football, what's going to be in the lead up, the intro, is going to be all about Josh Dobbs and the phenomenon, uh, Dobbs sanity, the Dob father, everything. Uh, Denver has the better quarterback in this game. Russell Wilson is better than Josh Dobbs. I'm very confident of that. And the other thing too is with Justin Jefferson coming back, I think there's the idea that, you know, Jefferson is just going to slot in to this offense, which has been rolling for the past game and a half and just make everything significantly better. And look, Jefferson coming back is definitely a positive for the offense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But at the same time, he's going to change the offense a lot. And Josh Dobbs, week one, he comes in, uh, everything is chaotic, week two, a bit more order. And now week three, you're introducing this new element, which changes the offense completely. He's got this rapport with TJ Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. Now you introduce Justin Jefferson. And look, it's still a net positive, but I don't think it's just going to be as seamless as the offense was this. And now the offense is just augmented directly uh, by X percent because you've just added last year's offensive player of the year. And also he's... Coming off the hamstring injury, don't know how what he's going to look like. And we still don't know if he's going to play or not. So I think yeah. a lot of factors favor the Broncos. And at home, uh, I'm taking them minus two. What's right. your best bet? I, I'm sold. Uh, and again, like even if he does play, you might raise all those great points. And he's got to go up against his toughest bow of the entire season in Pat Sertain. So good luck. And he's not um, playing with Josh Dobbs. He's, got, like, he's been playing with Kirk Cousins for years. Yeah. No, like the benefit of him being out there literally just means that Addison probably has a little bit lighter coverage. Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe the only thing you're getting out of Jefferson being available. And I, I say that with an enormous respect for him as a player. Um, that's good. Yeah. It's a good breakdown. Uh, I like it. Uh, I was already looking at the under in that game. I'll add, uh, I'll add some Broncos. Um, I'm going to go back to the one we just talked about. I thought about the Bears being the best bet, but it's already moved to seven and a half. I thought about the uh, the Steelers, but uh, you can't get plus four anymore, Jay. <laughs> Last time we were talking, it was plus four. Can't get that number anymore. Uh, so we're going to go with uh, the Green Bay Packers. And rather than take the three points, I'm going to go straight for the money line here. You said it. This should be a pick em. Uh, I think the uh, Packers have every realistic chance to be able to play from ahead here and get their offense right against the Chargers defense that I have a, a vote of no confidence uh, in everything that they are trying to do right now. So um, Packers uh, get some, you know, get get a little bit of uh, momentum going here into a, a Thanksgiving matchup against the Lions, which I think will be a lot of fun. But uh, mostly I just want to see Jordan Love continue to continue to progress. 
you know, continue to progress. What what we don't need in as NFL fans is more young quarterbacks giving giving a tiny window to succeed and failing and then getting thrown on the scrap heap. So I would like to see uh, Love uh, actually get to, you know, the level where he's playable. Okay. Well, there you go. What better way to lead into Thanksgiving than placing money on Russell Wilson and uh, Jordan Love? Uh, get it done, chaps. All right. Reminder, people can go back uh, through podcast feed history the youtube channels look at our other breakdowns from this week but for now we are done don't forget to check out nbcsports.com for more information to help you with your wages if you're listening to us in podcast form don't forget to rate and subscribe and a reminder you can find all your favorite nbc sports shows on amazon music just head to amazon.com slash nbc sports jay croucher and drew dinsick good luck this weekend and we'll see you next week Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.